1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Nay, my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are in a new Sunday morning series entitled Four Things We Must Confess. And we've been learning that the first thing we must confess and know is who we are in Christ. Now, when we deal with a topic like faith or prayer or confession, don't tune us out. Don't say, I've heard that. Have ears to hear. Tell your neighbor, say, have ears to hear. Now, every year we're walking in greater understanding, greater revelation, greater insight, as we should, amen, in Christ. As we've learned, the seed is the Word of God. The good seed is God's Word. And we're to sow the good seed of God's Word into our lives. And one way we do that, it's not the only way, but one way we do that is with our confession and our saying what the Word of God says. And when you plant a seed, it could be a seed in your yard, it could be a seed in your garden, it could be the seed of the Word of God in your life. When you plant a seed, the seed knows its business. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. And whether or not you understand how everything works, the seed knows what to do. And from the moment it is planted, the seed goes to work. It goes to work producing a harvest. So you don't have to understand how it works. You just have to know it works and then take action accordingly. So God has given his word to us as a seed for what we need in every area of life. And as we've learned, you can force the soil of your life into production with the word of God. You can force the soil in your life to produce with your confession of what God's Word says. And you can put, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the difficulty is, you can put positive pressure on your circumstances with the Word of God. A lot of people, by what they say, by their worries, their anxieties, their fears, and then them verbalizing that, a lot of people, by what they say, they're, they're putting negative pressure on their circumstances every day. And that's why in their lives, things just get more and more negative. But you can do the opposite with the Word of God by saying what the Word says. You can put positive pressure on your life and on your circumstances. You can force 
the circumstances of your life to change for the better with the Word of God. And as I said before the message began, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We're, we're living our lives, walking by faith, amen. Why? Because that's what we've been saying on the basis of the Word of God. I've given you Proverbs 18 and verse 21, which says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So God has given us all the great ability to determine what we say. And you can speak death to your life and circumstances, or you can speak life to your life and circumstances. In your life, you're the farmer. You determine the seeds you sow, and you determine the words you speak. So you determine your results. You know, it's spring. There's a lot of rain, so things are starting to bloom. Things are starting to flourish. Things are starting to come back. But if your yard is full of weeds, if your yard looks frightening, who's responsible for that? Remember when Jessica and I had moved into our, our new home a few years ago? And it was on a more, more property than our, our last place, five acres. And, you know, you're getting adjusted to a new place. And so in getting adjusted, I, I had the ingenious idea that we would just fertilize where we put the saw. And uh, we, we would start with that and see how the rest looked. Well, of course, spring rolled around and the, the parts that had sawed looked great. But there were wildflowers and weeds everywhere else. And I knew driving down the road and going home one day that I was going to get a text from my father. What are you doing? Well, there being weeds, there being wildflowers, it looking that way, that's not his fault. That's not your fault. Who's responsible? I am. In your life, you're the farmer. And you're responsible for what's going on in your life. You're responsible for the harvest. And if there are weeds in your life because of what you've been saying and what you've been doing, you can change your life and circumstances for the better, but you got to begin to change what you're saying. you got to begin to change what you're confessing. And it might be uncomfortable, but you got to go to work pulling out those weeds. you got to go to work and stop sowing those negative seeds. As we've learned, according to the Word of God, you are everything... God says you are, everything God says in his word that you are, regardless of whether or not you are experiencing what the word says in every area of your life. So you got to begin to take action to line your life up with the word of God. The first thing we must confess is who we are in Christ. Say, who I am in Christ Jesus. To live a victorious Christian life, to walk in victory, to walk in the blessing of the Lord, you've got to know and confess who you are in Christ. Now, this world that we live in, it is preaching confusion. And there's nothing new. There's nothing surprising. If you, this week in your devotional time, if you read Romans chapter 1, you'll see that the Apostle Paul, he, he told us all that would happen, all that would take place. People would head down the road into sin and depravity and perversion, and God would give them over to a, a, a mind that can no longer think straight, a confused mind. And this world, it is preaching confusion. It's preaching confusion to young people. And young people don't know what's right, 
They don't know what's wrong. They don't know what's true. They, they, they no longer know what's factually true. They're even confused about who they are. And to live a victorious life in Christ, you can't be confused. You've got to know what the Word says. You've got to know what the Word says about who you are in Christ Jesus and live accordingly regardless of what's going on in the world. So the first thing we must confess is who we are in Christ. And number one, under who we are in Christ, we've learned that we are a new creation. Say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Say, the old has gone and the new has come. And this is part of walking in victory, and that is giving up the old, giving up those negative seeds, giving up those people that are always sowing negative seeds and, and weeds into your life and your circumstances. Number two, we are complete in Jesus. Say, I am complete in Jesus. To be complete means to be whole. It means to lack nothing. Say, I am complete in Jesus. Say, I am whole. Say, I lack nothing. Say, in Him, I have everything I need. And knowing that and believing that and saying that and confessing that, you, you won't run around looking for your answer here and looking for your answer there. You'll know you have your answer in Christ Jesus and in His Word. And that'll give you the ability to live with focus and to walk that straight and narrow path in the days in which we're living. Number three, we're qualified to inherit the kingdom. Say, I have been qualified. I have been qualified. And say, I have been rescued. The Apostle Paul tells us that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. It no longer has any power over us. It no longer has any authority over us. It no longer has a place in our lives unless we give it a place. And we learned last Sunday, number four, that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Look at Galatians 3, beginning in verse 13. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 13. Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that. So our answer has been there all along. The answer for victory. The answer for walking in the blessing of the Lord. It has been there the entire time. He redeemed us in order that the blessing. Say, the blessing. The blessing. So this is good news, amen? This is not being weak. This is not being defeated. This is not being kicked around by the world. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is not being confused about everything. He redeemed us in order that the blessing, what blessing? The blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's you and me through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And notice, I pointed out last Sunday, notice that word might there. So that we might be by faith receive the promise of the Spirit. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. We have a part to play. We have to take action. We have to become doers of the Word of God. We have to work God's plan. It is not going to be automatic. You and I have a part to play. And so you have to know what he has done on your behalf. You have to know that Jesus paid the price to redeem you from the curse of the law. Then you have to believe it 
You have to say it and you have to walk in it. Say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. And of course, as I pointed out last Sunday, you can go to Deuteronomy 28 and you can read and find out everything that Christ redeemed you from. The curse of the law is sin, sickness, poverty, and death. And the Bible says in the New Testament that under the New Covenant, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So you don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to live a life like everybody else in the world that doesn't know God. You don't have to live a life of sickness. You don't have to live a life of poverty and lack and not enough. And as my father said at 9 a.m., that yes, there's death, but Jesus has defeated death. And so even if the Lord tarries and there comes a time where we've lived out the fullness of our life, we step into eternity, you can die well. Amen. You don't have to die defeated. You don't have to die in lack or in not enough. You don't have to die with 55 tubes coming out of your body. You can be like Jacob in the Old Testament. You can leave behind a good testimony and a good report. You can go out at a time of your own choosing. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But things are upside down in the Christian world. And a lot of people talk about the curse as if God is doing the curse. And they've got this curse thing in their life and that curse thing in their life. And we know the difference. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But they talk about stealing, killing, and destroying as if it's the Lord, as if it's the Lord doing something, as if it's the Lord teaching something. And so they glorify the curse. They, they magnify the curse. When as we learned last Sunday, many times the curse being present in our lives, it's the result of us living life our way, not God's way. It's the result of us doing things our own way, not God's way. It's the result of us disobeying and not being obedient. So then there's the curse and people blame it on God. And people say God's doing this and, and God's doing that. When all the while, Paul tells us Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to us through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might say, I might. So you got to walk in it. You got to believe it. You got to say it. You got to walk in it. You got to know who you are in Christ in 2021 and not be confused about it. Amen. You're walking in the blessing. Say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Say, I have been redeemed from sickness. Say, I have been redeemed from poverty and lack and not enough. Say, I have been redeemed from death. And that's why Paul says in the New Testament that even when a believer sleeps, even when they have passed from this life to the next, we have the victory in Christ Jesus. And that's why we don't mourn as the world mourns. Because in Him, we have the victory. Amen? Amen. Number five, we learned last Sunday that we are heirs of Abraham. Praise God, there are many wonderful saints in the Bible that we can learn from. What to do, what not to do. But as I pointed out last Sunday, Abraham is the father of our faith. Galatians 3 and verse 7 says, Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Romans 4, 11, he, Abraham, is the father of all who believe. Say, I am an heir of Abraham. Say, Abraham is the father of my faith. 
Say, Abraham is the father of my faith. So, so praise God for other Old Testament saints, great men and women of faith in the Bible that we can learn from, the good, the bad, the ugly, what to do, what not to do. But the Bible specifically tells us that Abraham is the father of my faith. So as wonderful as David was, the Bible says that he loved God, that he was a man after God's own heart. David is not the father of my faith. Abraham is the father of my faith. And we've got to know that and live accordingly. So you've got to go back to Genesis. Got to do some homework. Got to study the life of Abraham. And read what Paul says about him in Galatians. And read what Paul says about him in Romans. That he, he was justified by faith in God. And he walked by faith in the days in which he lived. He had no Bible. He had no Holy Spirit. And yet he walked how? By faith. And God told him, he said, lift up your eyes. So there is a lot that we can learn from Father Abraham. And he is the father of our faith. And he redeemed us. Christ redeemed us in order that the blessing, the blessing of Abraham might come to who? To us, the Gentiles. That's you and me through faith in Christ. Say, like Abraham, I am blessed. And you might say, well, Austin, what are people going to think about that? What are people going to say about that? You just got to get over it. You just got to get over it. Because if you read about Abraham, and then you go on to Isaac, you go on to Jacob, you'll discover that every generation walked in greater blessing. And even Jacob, despite all of his shortcomings, and even Jacob, despite his rough start, he eventually walked in greater blessing than his father Isaac. So you just got to get past what people are going to think. And you got to get past what people are going to say. And lift up your eyes and say, like Abraham, I am blessed. Say, like Abraham, I am blessed. And see, this is part of this greater revelation in 2020 and 2021. You go back and you read Abraham's story. And when Lot was taken into captivity in the midst of a military war and conflict. It doesn't matter what the king of Sodom's doing. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. We're walking in the blessing of God. And like Abraham, we are blessed. You read on to Isaac. Read on to Jacob. Jacob, in a time of famine, was still blessed of the Lord, taken care of by the Lord. Why? He was blessed like his grandfather Abraham. Amen. Now let's get to some new ground. Number six under who we are in Christ. Number six, we are blessed as we hearken and obey. Now what does it mean to hearken? That's an old word. It's in the King James. What does it mean to hearken? Hearken means to listen carefully to listen carefully, and then to implement following the instructions. And not just some of the instructions, following all the instructions. You've heard me rehearse how for a year, two years, maybe longer, any time during the winter, I would get in my car, I would complain about how it didn't have a heated steering wheel. See, their, their death and life are in the power of the tongue. See, how many things are we, we negative about when we've not opened up the instruction manual to find out what it says. And you've heard me tell the story. I'd get in my car in the winter, and I'd complain, and I'd, I'd tell Jessica, said, I, I can't believe your car, made in America, it has a heating steering wheel. 
and my, my fancy European vehicle doesn't have a heated steering wheel. Well, at some point I had the ingenious idea to look in the instruction manual. And I found out that vehicle did have a heated steering wheel. It was just not where I would personally put the button. And so to enjoy that benefit, I had to hearken. I had to find out what the instruction manual said, and then I had to carefully follow the instructions. The Bible says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. See, a young man might hear, get married, find a wife and get married. When at Faith Christian Center, we'll say, find a righteous young woman. Find a righteous young Christian woman who loves the Lord with all her heart, soul, and mind, who comes from a wonderful Christian family who, who loves the Lord. See, it's not just find a woman, any woman, and get married. There are particular guidelines, criteria, and instructions. So hearken means to listen carefully and then to implement all the instructions, not just the parts that we want to do. We recently had to replace the basketball goal at our house because someone bumped into it, and praise God, it wasn't me or Jessica or my mom. Amen. I do have to say that. No one wonders. But somebody bump, bumped it on accident, had to get it replaced. But this young guy we hired to come do it, he does that all the time. And he's always putting playground sets, all that type stuff together. But he loves to share on Facebook how a lot of his work is going to homes where men have bought a playground set for their family, and they have tried to put it together themselves without following the instructions. And he says it's a lot easier to put it together right the first time versus figuring out how to take it apart and then do it correctly. So hearken means to listen carefully and then to implement, and not just the parts you like, not just the parts you agree with, but all of it. So number six under who we are in Christ, say, we, say I am blessed. As I hearken and obey. Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse 1, says, If you fully, and that's important, if you fully, if you completely, in every area, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow. The King James there says, hearken. If you carefully follow. How many of his commands? And, and that's the issue. We want to do the parts we like. We want to do the parts we agree with. We want to do the parts that mama told us that she agrees with. We want, to, we want to do the parts that are acceptable in the culture that we live in in 2021. Carefully follow. How many of his commands? All his commands I give you today. The King James says, If thou shalt hearken to observe and to do. If thou shalt listen carefully to hear all of it, all the guidelines, all the instructions to observe and to do. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if. Say if. And see, so this is important. See, people are of the mindset, well, if someone's blessed, it's God's will. If someone's not blessed, that's the will of God. Nonsense. It's about what you do. It's about your taking action on the word of God. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if. Say if. You obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. So all these blessings will come upon you if you obey. Say, if I obey. Say, as I hearken and as I obey, 
I'm blessed. Say, I'm blessed as I obey. Say, I'm blessed as I hearken and carefully obey. Say, if I obey. See, that, that's the issue. The blessing of the Lord is not automatic. And that's why in Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14, I pointed out to you where Paul said, might. The blessings of God are not automatic. We have to do our part. We have to carefully listen. We have to hearken. And we have to obey. If you will obey God and follow his commands, then you'll be blessed. Look at what David said in Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So can you walk in the counsel of the wicked and be blessed? No. You cannot walk in the counsel of the wicked and be blessed. So in your life, to live a life of victory, you've got to give up wrong friends. You've got to give up wrong counsel. You've got to give up wrong advice if you want to be blessed. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you're not there for them. But what it means is you're no longer giving them a voice in your life to sow those negative seeds. People do this all the time. They're having marriage trouble, and they'll, they'll talk to a family member. They've had five or six marriages, and none of them have worked. That is not where you get godly, sound advice. Or they've got a girlfriend or a guy friend, and they, they've been through however many relationships. None have worked out, and their current relationship isn't working out. And that's the person they'll get advice from. That is not walking in the counsel of the godly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So part of being blessed is not just walking in the things you should. Part of being blessed is avoiding the things you need to avoid. And avoiding the people you need to avoid. And avoiding the negative seeds you need to avoid. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. We could say it this way, our delight is in the word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. In his word doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, say whatsoever I do, shall prosper. So, but to prosper, there are some things you have to walk in and there are some things in the King James language you have to walketh not in. You have to avoid. You could go down to the nursery. You could pick the most wonderful, beautiful tree. But if you go somewhere where there's not good soil and plant it, you're not going to get a good result. Or if you take it somewhere and put it in someone's yard, they don't take care of it. They don't water their yard. They don't fertilize. They don't pull the weeds. They don't till the soil. You're not going to get a good result. So part of the blessing is not just walking in some things, it's also walking not in some things and avoiding some things. Say, whatsoever I do shall prosper. But to do that, to walk in the blessing, you've got to avoid the counsel of the ungodly. You've got to avoid the way of sinners. Jesus talked about the straight and narrow way. And he said, few find it. So in 2021, in this wicked, evil culture, how many are walking that straight and narrow way? Few. But that's the way of blessing. But Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, many are going that way. So to walk in the blessing, you've got to go the way the few are going, 
and you've got to avoid what the majority is doing. You've got, to enjoy, you've got to avoid what the many are doing. If you want to walk in His blessing, say, Whatsoever I do shall prosper. Say, God is blessing the work of my hands. But as my Father says, you've got to have some work to bless. You've got to have some work to bless. And there's a time for sleep. There's a time for rest. But Proverbs says if you sleep too much, poverty will come upon you. So you got to have some work for him to bless. Say, as I hearken and as I obey, I'm blessed. But what happens if we don't obey? What happens if we don't listen or hearken? What happens if we don't follow God's commands in any area of life? Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow His commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. See, it's doing your own thing, not God's thing, that opens the door to trouble. It's doing things in life your way that opens the door to the curse. So you've got to determine and purpose in your heart and life to live life God's way and to obey His commands. It's about what we do. It's about what we say. It is about what we do. Occasionally, people will call or email, and they'll want emergency counseling. They'll want emergency marriage counseling or whatever it is. And praise God, time has gone by. I remember when I was young, Christina was young, and there'd be people that just show up at my parents' house and knock on the door wanting an emergency meeting. We don't do that, amen? And the people that are in church on Sunday, they're never the ones that need emergency meetings. But if somebody were to call the church office or email and say they need a meeting, they need, need any counseling, well, first we're going to give them a pastoral appointment form. And on there, there is a series of questions, and really it's, it's no secret what those questions are, are to evaluate to what extent they're a doer of the Word of God. To what extent are they taking action and working God's plan? Do you come to church? How often do you come to church? Do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Are you working God's financial plan? Have you gone to the marriage and family class on Sunday mornings after the first service? Have you listened to the successful marriage seminar? See, to walk in the blessing of the Lord, there are some things that we have to do. And to walk in the blessing of the Lord, there are some things that we have to, as it says in the King James, doeth not or walketh not in. There are some things you've got to do and there are some things you have to not do. And part of walking in the victory of the Lord is giving up the negativity in your mouth and to say, to say about your life and your husband or your wife and your children what the Word of God says. Say, I'm blessed as I hearken and I obey. Say, whatsoever I do shall prosper. Say, I've got to do some things. I've got to do what the Word says. And I've got to not do the things God says not to do. See, He lays it all out in His Word. And He loved His people. He laid it all out for them. To walk in His blessing, do these things. To walk in His blessing, avoid some things. Say it again. Say, as I hearken and obey, I'm blessed. Now, one more point for today. Number seven, under who we are in Christ. We are the sons of God. Ladies, you could say you're the, you're the daughters of God. We are 
his children. You are his very own child. The Bible says that we are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. Say this, say, I am his child. I am his child. Men, say, I'm a son of God. Ladies, say, I'm a daughter of God. Galatians 4, beginning in verse 6, says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. So we have the same Spirit. We don't have a lesser Spirit. Paul says elsewhere, The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body. We don't have a lesser Spirit. We have the same Spirit. Amen? Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. You read your Old Testament carefully, you'll see that under the Old Covenant, they were referred to, God's children were referred to as the servants of God. But that's not who we are in Christ Jesus under the New Covenant. We're not outsiders looking in. We, we don't have our own place to live or dwell. We are a part of the family of God. We are living in His house. We are His sons, His daughters, His very own children with the full rights, the full benefits, and the full privileges that go along with that. So you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God also made you an heir. You have to remember the time in which Paul, Paul wrote this. Slavery was predominant in the Roman world. And there were, in fact, many cities in which there would have been more slaves than there were free men or free women. And there were those in the church that had their freedom. There were those that did not. And so they would have understood what he was saying. Since in Christ Jesus you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Say, I am his child. Men, say, I am his son. Ladies, say, I am his daughter. Say, I am an heir of God Almighty. Look at Romans 8, beginning in verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we're not servants. We're not outsiders looking in. We don't have diminished rights or privileges or benefits. We are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So we are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, if I'm an heir, that means I have an inheritance. If I'm a joint heir, that means I have an equal inheritance that is not diminished in any way. So we've got to see ourselves the way our Heavenly Father sees us. We've got to lift up our eyes. That's why Abraham is the father of our faith we got to lift up our eyes and believe and say about our lives what our Heavenly Father says. Say, I am a child of God. Say, I'm an heir of God. Say, I'm a joint heir with Christ. So we got to lift up our eyes and believe Him for more. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Yes, in this world, in this sinful, fallen world, there will be trouble. There will be difficulty. There will be challenges to be overcome. And depending on the time and the place in which we live, there may be persecution. And if the Lord tarries, there will be persecution in America in the days ahead. 
The Bible says that every, anyone who lives a godly or righteous life will be persecuted. And so when we've been so blessed to live where we live, to have the freedoms we have, the rights and the liberties we have, but th this world out here is crazy. And things are getting darker. And things are getting wicked. And it's amazing to me. You have Christian families that own a small business, say, for instance, a man or woman, and they make cakes for a living. If they don't want to do a certain kind of cake, why don't people go to another cake shop to have made what they want to have made? But there is an agenda, a wicked agenda out there to get Christian people to do things that are contrary to their faith. And so we have to have some steel in our backbones. And unlike the world, we can't be confused about who we are in Christ Jesus. We have to know who we are in Christ Jesus and in the days ahead. Jesus said in John 16 and verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Tell your neighbors, say, take heart. Tell your other neighbors, say, take heart. He overcame. And so through him, we overcome. He overcame. And so through him, we overcome. Doesn't matter what it is. Say, I am a child of God. Say, I am a son of God. Ladies, say, I'm a daughter of God. Say this, say, in Christ, I have the peace of God. And this is how. It doesn't matter what, what crazy thing is in the news tomorrow. I have the peace of God. It doesn't matter what crazy things go on this year. I have the peace of God. And we see all this going on, but the Bible told us all these things would take place. So I have the peace of God. Say, I have the peace of God. Say, no matter what, I have the peace of God. Say this, say, there may be trouble, but Jesus overcame on my behalf. Say, there may be trouble, but I'm an overcomer. Say it again, say, there may be trouble, but I'm an overcomer. Say it again, say, there may be trouble, but I'm an overcomer. And that's us saying what the Word of God says. So there may be a circumstance. There may be a difficulty. There may be a negative report, but you are overcoming. Because Jesus overcame. And through Him, you are overcoming every work of the enemy. Paul said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. Say, I am a child of God. So for God's promises to be a reality in our lives, we've got to begin speaking them and saying them and planting them in the soil that is our life. God's Word is a seed for what we need in every area of life. But we've got to force the soil in our life to produce by saying what the Word of God says. Say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Say, I am complete in Jesus. Say, I am qualified to inherit the kingdom. Say, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Say, I'm an heir of Abraham. Say, I'm blessed as I hearken and obey. Not as I do my own thing. I'm blessed as I hearken and obey. Say, I am a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. Now, there's one more under who we are in Christ, but we're going to save it for in two Sundays because we are the righteousness of God 
in Christ Jesus. And to give you a preview, this is the difference between a life of defeat and a life of walking in the blessing of the Lord. Because we have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. And that is a gift given to us. But the difference between walking in the victory and the blessing God has for you and living a life of defeat is actually living this life as if you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you got to know who you are in Christ, say who you are in Christ, but you actually have to live like, talk like, act like, and walk like who you are in Christ. Yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but you actually have to live like it and walk like it even in 2021, even in the midst of this crazy, wicked culture. And that's what leads to a life of blessing. That's a life God can bless. Amen? Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.